0: I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you might prove what is the good, the well-pleasing, and the perfect will of God. This morning, as we begin our second worship service, welcome to the National Capital Bible Church, Uh, we have a few seconds for spiritual preparation And our spiritual preparation, of course, includes confession of sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we have that time to spend in the privacy of your own souls, uh, quietly, silently, uh, addressing the Father uh, and being thankful, of course, as we studied in our first session, for the remarkable atoning sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is also our opportunity to express our love for the Lord through giving. And we know that each one, as the Apostle Paul tells us, each one should give just as you determine in your heart, not grudgingly nor uh, reluctantly, for the Lord loves a gracious, uh, willing giver. So let's take just a few seconds for our spiritual preparation, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful each and every time that we have this opportunity to open the Word of God and learn more about the mind of Christ, what you are communicating to us through the Word of God, which was preserved through many, many years, but it's the preservation of a text that we believe is extraordinarily accurate. We're thankful for the ministry of God the Holy Spirit in all of that we pray this morning as we uh, approach the Word of God on several various subjects that father we will understand the text understand the meaning and that it would be a blessing to us and we ask this in Jesus name amen you may have thought it was first Timothy it's from second Timothy second Timothy chapter 1 2nd Timothy chapter 1 <clears throat> and just to demonstrate that my heart is in the right place 2nd Timothy chapter 1 happy mother's day uh I plan to spend just a few minutes, which will turn out to be more than a few minutes, but a few minutes with uh, the subject of the faith of our mothers. Um, It is extraordinary how many families um, are godly families because of the mother. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not God's plan, but it is. And so we are uh, very thankful for our mothers. We know that mothers are not simply important. They are critical. God teaches us that with creation. And I think one of the reasons that in the beginning, when God creates on the sixth day, the man and the woman, he separates the two. He separates the two. And the man is created first, as people often say, of the dirt of the ground. You know. And then the woman, of course, is created later from the man's side, which has ever since been known as rib, but the Hebrew word is difficult to determine exactly what it is, but it's from his side. The Lord takes uh, flesh tissue probably the best thing and creates the woman and the reason he does is because God has created the man in need it's not that he wasn't good according to plan he was created according to plan that's what the Lord says as he goes through each one of those days of creation It was good. It was according to plan. The man was created according to plan, but the the plan was for him to have a need, which was to be filled by only an individual who could possibly fill it, and that was a woman. And there's no arrogance on either side that uh, the woman, you know, you couldn't have got along without me, or the man uh, saying, well, I was made first or whatever, but each one has a role. The man providing loving leadership and the woman providing the loving assistance, respectful assistance that only she could provide. And one of those is being a mother. And their mothers are downplayed. Families are downplayed uh, today in Satan's world. And sadly, they're downplayed, by often, downplayed often by people who should know better. There is no higher calling than being a mother. That's how God plans for the the human race to perpetuate itself. And without mothers, we wouldn't have a human race. I remember asking that question one time uh, by a friend in a frustrating moment. I may have said, I'm not sure why God made women. And my friend said, well, you know, Dan, after about 100 years, things would sort of grind to a halt and he's right absolutely correct and so Mother's Day doesn't have necessarily the best origin but we're not going to talk about the pacifist role that came out of World War II but understanding really the importance of women and as I do this this doesn't downplay husbands but we may talk about them later But the faith of our mothers cannot be better illustrated than in 2 Timothy with Timothy. Now, as I study the different characters in the Bible, and you may or may not remember, we did a study on Timothy, and we've done studies of others. The, the, The personal touch that we see in Scripture for individuals is remarkable. And as we look at Timothy, he was a young man selected by Paul, why? Why Timothy? He wasn't from Antioch. He wasn't from Jerusalem. He was from a location in Galatia that Paul just happened to visit. By chance, you know. God's design. And he selects Timothy. Now, you'd think if Paul was going to select someone that was going to be his companion, someone who would really take over a significant part of the load in his ministry, that he might choose someone who's been to seminary, someone who's a rabbi, someone who has spent a lot of time maybe with the Pharisees, someone who's grown up in this fashion. But he chooses Timothy. Timothy. Why? There was something special about Timothy. And the apostle Paul tells us one of the reasons that Timothy was special. And it wasn't because he just had a mother. I mean, we've all got mothers. Everybody's got a mother stand up, you know. But he not only had a mother, but he had a grandmother. And they played a special role in his life. An extraordinary role in his life. So in 2 Timothy... Second Timothy 2 Timothy 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Here is Paul. 2 Timothy is recognized as the last will and testament, if we want to say, of the apostle Paul. He knew he was dying. He knew that he was going to be executed. He's in Rome, in prison, sentenced, going to be executed. And he says, I'm writing to you according to the promise of life. This is the promise of eternal life, the future. And to whom is he writing? He's writing to Timothy. I think it's, again, extraordinary that Paul, he could have written to a lot of different people. But one of the people, and he writes two letters to an individual, Timothy. This is a testimony to who this man was. Young man, in one place he says, don't let them take advantage of your youth, Timothy. He could have said, because I've selected you for this job. It's important. So why was he selected? To Timothy, a beloved son. A beloved son. A very special son. We could say dearly beloved. Not his son, physical son, biological son, but spiritual son. Grace, peace, and mercy from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, <clears throat> whom I serve with pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in prayers night and day. Now, what does night and day mean? We should recognize that as a figure of speech. It doesn't mean that uh, he was, you know, certain times during the day or certain times at night or whatever this could could mean, but it means, it's a merism that means all the time, continuously, constantly. Timothy was on his mind. Why? Now this is, so much can be said and I'm saying a lot here. I'm not trying to get, I need to get to the mother's portion of this. But, why is Timothy on his mind? Timothy is on his mind and in his prayers because he's sending Timothy to do what he would do if he could. But he can't. And so, Timothy, you are representing me. You're doing what I would like to do if I could possibly be there. Beloved son, father sending his son to carry out this responsibility. And he remembers him day and night, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remember the genuine faith That is in you. So Timothy. There was a a true love. A bond here. Between the apostle. And the young man. Who was selected. To travel with him. To train. To begin to assume more responsibilities. And finally. Replace him. He trains his replacement. My beloved son. And so Timothy. When he departs, there were tears. And we can understand that. Calling to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. We, we can't take lightly verbal inspiration. God, the Holy Spirit, has inspired these words. Now, we have manuscripts, and the manuscripts aren't inspired, but the originals were, and there is every reason to believe that these words were in the original manuscripts that were penned by Paul as inspired by God the Holy Spirit, and he remembers these two women. And he didn't just remember them in this letter. They are remembered for all eternity. Lois and Eunice. Lois and Eunice. You know, there are some people who desire to be famous. There are some people who seek glory and fame. There is no greater way to be remembered than to be remembered by an author of Scripture. Lois and Eunice. What did they do? I mean... Did they evangelize the city? Were they great in real estate? Are they world-renowned for, renowned for ruling a country? No. They are known throughout history after this was recorded for teaching a son and a grandson the Word of God. We have very few women in the test in the word of God that are remembered for their business acumen. Lydia, yes. And it's not because they couldn't or didn't. But Paul remembers Lois and Eunice and we don't know what else they did and they probably did other things. Many other things. But it was their faithfulness in teaching the Word of God, spiritual information, the Old Testament was their text, to this young man. And was he a derelict? No. So, for Paul to remember them, for Paul to select Timothy, they must have done a reasonably proficient job. They probably stayed with it. I can see a grandmother doing this. And then a mother who may have been very busy trying to support the family. Grandmother filling in. Spiritual information was important to her. Not just the adoration of the child, but making sure that child was going to grow into a spiritual adult. Genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. She passes that to her mother, or to her daughter, Eunice. And then that passes to the son, Timothy. And Timothy gets selected for one of the more important jobs in all of history, to assist the Apostle Paul. The only Apostle that was commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to go to the Gentiles. And I'm persuaded, I'm convinced that that same determination and dedication is in you, Timothy. You've got a history. You've got a track record. You've seen the example of grandmother and mother and Timothy, that's the example that I want you to follow. Yes, you're going to Imitate me. But you are following the example, the spiritual example, concentration on the word that you receive from your mother and your grandmother. And you say, well, does it really say that, concentration on the word? Well, we'll get to that. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Timothy, you've got a gift. And Paul says, use it. We all have a gift. At the moment of salvation, we receive a gift. Use it. It wasn't distributed to you because God had a lot of extra ones laying around. And He just had to give them to somebody. Cluttering up heaven. or God the Holy Spirit got tired of lugging them around. They were given to us to be used. And we're probably not going to arrive where I would like to during this service in Galatians 5. But Galatians 5 talks to us about sanctification, our spiritual growth. But also in our spiritual growth, we grow spiritually for a reason. Why? So we can serve. Service to the Lord. And that's why we have a gift. We don't have a gift to polish and one day in heaven demonstrate that we didn't lose it somewhere. No, we want to demonstrate that we used it somewhere. And that's what Timothy has done. Well, that's what Paul's telling him to do. Stir it up. Use it. Use your gift. I remember Pastor Theme used to say, you know, just stick with the word, study, and your spiritual gift will just naturally kick in. What that meant to some people is, I need to study to get my spiritual growth so I can begin serving as soon as possible. To others, it meant... Well, if it never kicks in, I guess I won't have to do anything. No, you have a spiritual gift. God wants you to use it. Now, you you may say, I'm not sure I know what my spiritual gift is. Well, very often we, we don't know until we start volunteering to do things. Helping. Working with others. And pretty soon, you find yourself moving in one direction or another. Or somebody says, you know, you you really are one of the best I've seen at parking cars and we need someone to park cars here or something else. Yes, it'll kick in and if you're sitting here today and still saying after 40 years after hearing him say that it hadn't kicked in. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul had authority and he identified himself with Timothy by laying on his hands. There was not something mystical that happened here. It was simply, you are associated with me, the apostle to the Gentiles. And I'm commissioning you to be a messenger, a servant for me, a servant for God. And all those who were there that observed him lay his hands on Timothy, realized that Paul was commissioning him for a reason. For a specific purpose. And then he says. Stir up that, that gift. For God has not given us. A spirit of fear. Timothy. Don't be timid. Stir up that gift. Wade into the job. Do it to the best of your ability. Every now and then. We'll be faced with. An opportunity. A job. Um, something. And we just don't think we can do it. Not sure I'm going to be able to handle that. Well, you may not be able to. But all God wants you to do is be willing to try. He'll take care of the rest of it. Now, I can remember, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of young uh, NCOs and young officers when you're pushed into a position where you are being required to be a leader, or we could say in some, some other area of life, you know, maybe a leadership position in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or somewhere else, and you are very anxious before you're going to step out in front of that platoon or that squad or that group, whoever it might be, And you say, I I just don't think I can do this. Well, do it. Just do it. You know, sometimes we get a little bit more crude and say, suck it up and get out there. And just do your best. And, you know, you may fail the first time. may not do very well. But you keep trying. You keep going back and going back. And pretty soon, I think I got this finally. But I can't, as we often say, never did anything and never will do anything. God gives you the opportunity. Prepare yourself as best you can and step out there and then praise God for whatever happens. And sometimes we're surprised, remarkably surprised. We had a uh, new, fresh cot, we could say, a uh, good news club uh, teacher with us this last week, Ray. And he was going to teach the Bible story. Well, he's been through some training. But as he was standing there, he was saying, I don't, this is going to be kind of hard. I don't know if I can get it in during the exact time. And this is not really not me. And I said, you know, in front of the kids, be dynamic. You know, get their attention. Command their attention. That's really not me. You know, I'm not really that way. Well, he did it. He stepped up in front of those 40 kids and taught a class that was... Up by a seasoned professional. And the children were listening. All well, except maybe Jeffrey. I don't know. But the kids were listening. He just did it. And I remember talking to him afterwards and he said, well, I just decided I was going to have to do it. Yes. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Set that aside. And serve. But that's what we have here. And... His background weighed heavily on his grandmother and his mother. Turn over to chapter three, verse 15. Chapter three, verse 15. Beginning in verse 14, Second Timothy 3:14. "But you must continue in the things which you have learned, and the word there could easily be trained that you know." that you learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for deliverance through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't say here, that which you've learned from me, you know, I know I taught you, Timothy. I, I, we went over this. So I know exactly what you know because I taught you. He doesn't say that. He says, this is something that you knew from your childhood. Where was Paul during childhood? He was back stoning Stephen. So he was learning these things from his grandmother and his mother. The things that Paul mentions again. And so again, grandmother and mother get a grade here for how remarkably they raised this young man. Now you say, well, where's dad? Well, about the only thing we know about dad, Timothy's father, is that he was a Gentile and probably an unbeliever. Now, having said that, you might say, hmm, I wonder how this marriage came about. Well, we don't know. But if he was a Gentile and unbeliever, he probably wasn't encouraging mother or grandmother to teach these things. So it may have been difficult. May have been, as I can teach you, son, we will do this. Don't know if when dad was around, he... Uh, despised it. Uh, told him not to teach. Don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just, again, speculating here. But chances are, him being a Gentile unbeliever didn't make it easier. So, this is a remarkable passage in 2 Timothy. Paul on his deathbed, not deathbed, but death cell, waiting for an opportunity for Nero to finally execute the sentence. He remembers Lois and Eunice. And then he remembers again that they were the ones that taught him from childhood the sacred writings here, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And so I think that this is absolutely remarkable that we have this memory. Now there's a several other passages that I would like to view. And of course, one of those takes us back to Leviticus. And you'd say, oh my gracious, not back to a Leviticus. I thought we would just departed there, got out of that book. But I'm going to guess that this may be the first time you've gone to Leviticus for the Mother's Day message. Leviticus 19 3 we'll begin in verse 1 Leviticus 19 we'll look at some other passages and we can go to passages in Exodus 20 Deuteronomy 6 where uh, Ephesians 5 Colossians 3 where we are told to honor your father and your mother and that's important it's important for us to understand that, we probably will go to one of those passages. But this is an interesting passage because it only mentions one parent here. And, you know, there's not a lot of explanation as to why. But in Leviticus 18, 19, Leviticus 19, 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, By the way, the authorship of Moses is challenged for Leviticus. But only about three quarters of the chapters start with, and the Lord said to Moses, saying, and the Lord said to Moses, saying, and the Lord said to Moses, saying. Uh, Who else would know this? Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, set apart. And this is a great passage for this. You're to be set apart to the Lord. The word holy is lost on us today. It's sort of a religious word. Um, but it means to be set apart. You're to be special. And the word uh, really means, kadosh, it means set apart for a purpose, for a reason. You're not set apart over here so that you can collect dust or be viewed. No, you're set, aside, set apart for a purpose. But it says here, you shall be set apart for I, the Lord, your God, am holy because I'm set apart. And we know that the Lord is working. God is working in the world. And then it says in verse three. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. But here we see I said one was mentioned, but they have it reversed here. Revere, uh, revere your mother and also your father. And keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God." This very you know, brief verse says, "Revere." This is the Hebrew word "yare," which means, which is probably 90 percent of the times translated "fear. Fear your father and your mother." And so what we understand from this is that this is uh, and we're, by the way, we're to fear God as well. So this puts us, father and mother, in that category of of God. Now, fearing them, we would probably all say is a little bit uh, strong. But it certainly has to do with being reverent towards them, being obedient to them, and very respectful, extremely respectful. And here, it's mother and father. And in almost every other text, it's father and mother. I've often thought that maybe God the Holy Spirit reversed this here to say it's important. Both father and mother. Mother and father. And I also think what's important here is the Lord emphasizes it. He punctuates this verse with... I am the Lord your God. In other words, I've just given you something that you need to obey and I am the Lord your God. And what else did he include here? Shamar, keep, guard, observe my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. This is good company. Why? Because when Israel did not keep the Sabbath, they went out under national discipline. And so this is important. This is an important commandment. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbath. Now, we could easily say, well, this is the Old Testament. This is the law that was given to Israel. Yes, it was. This is the law that was given to Israel and it was specifically given to Israel. But there are applications here. And this verse comes over in the New Testament without the Sabbath clinging to it. So, let's turn to Ephesians 6. And Ephesians 6.1 one is, we'll see, is a quotation from Exodus Exodus 20. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then we have this quotation, which comes, again, from Exodus, or could come out of Deuteronomy 5, as our text might say. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with... A promise we could say, and what's interesting is, and this is true when we go back to Exodus five, in Exodus, Exodus twenty, Exodus twenty five, we see that the text says that if you do this, there's going to be consequences, or we could even say rewards. In Exodus 20, it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Namely, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So, while that was specifically given to Israel, here, um, the Apostle Paul repeats it. And so we know that it applies to us here in the church age, for churches, and matter of fact, for everyone, believers and non-believers alike. We should be honoring our parents, obeying your parents. And I think those are excellent translations. Uh, And so, you know, every now and then we have uh, difficulties uh, or problems or maybe even estrangement from our parents maybe even the mother usually the mother is not quite as often as the father and i think that's because mothers have the tendency to be uh, maybe more tender-hearted we would say maybe a little more patient long-suffering or as i'll read for you in a minute that there's just nothing quite like a mother's love and that's true Um, generally um, comforting is done by the mother. And I have this on good authority. We'll go to Isaiah and see this in a minute. And um, the father maybe not so much. I mean I don't know how many times. Mother ever said to me. Uh, well just wait until your father gets home. And he'll comfort you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that ever being said. I don't remember mother ever saying. Well go over and your father will comfort you. I don't know. I just didn't. I, and she may have said it. And you may have heard that. And it's not that fathers can't comfort, and they should. But why go over here for comfort when you have God's almost greatest gift over here in comfort with mother? And they are. There's just something special about a mother and her relationship with her children. It is a rare case where a mother actually thinks her child is been wrong or bad or evil you know mother never gives up father might say he's just bad to the bone nothing we can do and a mother oh oh dear you know he's he was always a good boy and the father's probably trying to remember when that was was always when he wasn't around but it's true there is something special about mothers And therefore, even though fathers are given the guidance and the direction to be the teachers. And as a matter of fact, our next passage in Ephesians says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, to anger. In other words, somehow fathers need to work out a relationship with their children for instruction and discipline that doesn't alienate them. That doesn't provoke them. But instead. It's accepted as. What it's supposed to be. Guidance. Instruction. They're persuaded. Not. Turned off. Or disgusted by it. You'll notice it doesn't say mothers. I don't know maybe if. Didn't didn't need that. But and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers. 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 Where was the father with Lois and Eunice? Don't know. And sadly today, this is the case. Fathers truly uh, just skipping their responsibilities, ignoring them. And many, many, many mothers stand in the gap, stand in, uh, in the place of the father who is required by God to bring them up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. And the admonition of the Lord here is warning. They're supposed to tell their children the consequences of their actions or demonstrate that to them through their upbringing. But do it in a way that's not provoking their children. Comfort, you say. I'd like to see that. All right, let's turn to Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah sixty-six. Isaiah sixty-six. This is the Lord. The last part of Isaiah is the Lord, this uh, God, the Holy Spirit, revealing conditions and what things will be like. In the millennial kingdom, the Messianic kingdom, and it's addressed to Israel. So when we look at, in Isaiah 66, and we go to <clears throat> verse 12, Isaiah 66:12, this is Isaiah, as inspired by God the Holy Spirit, talking about uh, Israel, Zion, Jerusalem. Those are the names that are used very often. And it says, "For thus says the Lord." I love that. It's, it's again, it's a punctuation. Everything here, you know, is God speaking through, you know, God the Holy Spirit. But there are times when it says, "Thus says the Lord." Take special note. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. This is probably a, a reference to Jerusalem, to Zion. Then you shall be fed on her sides. Shall you be carried and be dangled on her knees? Uh, We could say delighted, dandied. I said dangled, dandied on her knees, uh, delighted, as one whom his mother comforts. So God uses the analogy of a mother's comfort. This is therefore a trait of a mother, a mother's trait comfort now it doesn't mean it's not the trait of a man or a husband a father but God associates it with a woman a mother a mother's comfort and one whom his mother comforts so I will comfort you I will comfort you we could say like a mother comforts her children and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem that's to Israel but the analogy of course talks to us about this, uh, the woman, the wife. So this morning, you know, happy Mother's Day. Uh, Mothers are truly important. And uh, many of you, I'll say all of you, uh, have known uh, the word of God, are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and understand the responsibility, the grave responsibility of Teaching the word of God to your children, instructing them, because you come by that responsibility by way of your husband and by the way of by the way of being a mother. And it's critically important for mothers to uh, teach the word of God to their children at the youngest possible age, reading to them as they're still in the cradle, not possibly even understanding what they're hearing but we're told that the word of god does not return void and i'm sure that somehow some way the word of god is having an impact on the youngest of children and we see this over and over and over again in our good news clubs where a child can be rolling around uh distracting someone else uh causing the adult all kinds of Heartburn. And then, when a question is asked during the review, I'll be darned if that kid doesn't know the answer. I didn't even hear it being taught. But somehow the child did. And if it can penetrate a child standing on its head, rolling around, doing whatever the child is doing, wrestling with the adult, then they probably can hear it at other times as well. And so here we are. Uh, Many, many mothers have filled the positions of Lois and Eunice, and we are so thankful for you. But even more than that, you will be mentioned, as Paul has mentioned Lois and Eunice, by the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity when it comes time for you to be recognized. And I believe that that's absolutely true. Now, it's hard for me not to talk about mothers without talking a little bit about my own mother. But I think I'm going to maybe skip over her and talk about my grandmother. Her her name was Madge. And her her boys... Richard, Robert, and Benjamin uh, really revered her. I do not remember any time, anywhere, ever hearing anything about grandmother, Grandmother Ingram, that was just almost astounding. Uh, she lived with us, with mom and dad, for. A significant period of time when we were on the farm. It was her farm. It was her farmhouse. Um, dad really sharecropped with her. And she lived in a part of the house and we lived in the other part. And she helped mother with five kids, as you can only imagine. And she also helped dad out in the fields. She was just a remarkable woman. And I remember uh, hearing Dad, and I never met uh, Robert. Uh, no, excuse me, Benjamin. I didn't meet Benjamin because he he died during the war, World War II. He was a Navy pilot, shot down over Japan. And uh, even though he got out of the plane, into his uh, uh, life raft, uh, the squalls prevented him from being rescued immediately and later not found. But I remember Dad and, uh, and Bob talking about mother, grandmother. And it was just one of those things that grandmother she did all these things and uh i uh, after her death i was in her uh, trailer and i'd seen this quotation several times i don't know if i ever really read it just don't remember you know when your grandmother's alive and she has all these knick knacks around you kind of leave them alone you want to break them but after she was gone i was over there and I was reading this uh, quotation and I said to my mother, I said, that is really great. Oh, did, Do you know the source of it? She said, grandmother always said that Benjamin gave this to her. Excuse me, Robert gave this to her. And she said, would you like it? And I said, absolutely. My mother, the surest love, the safest love, the love that never lies, the purest love, the gravest love, the love that never dies. All these and more is mother love that beams from holy eyes. There is no love that's half the love that mother love implies. John Irving Pierce. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your remarkable creation. The creation of the soul of the woman that provides so much for mankind. And we're thankful, Father, that you have provided for us godly mothers who rear us, train us, love us in spite of ourselves. And we pray that they would never give up on teaching the Word of God, the importance of Scripture to their children, that they would understand the impact it has on their children's souls because it's crucial. And we're thankful for husbands who recognize them, cherish them, love them, support them in what they're doing, And provide leadership to them. And we pray that we would do that as men. That we would provide leadership that would allow them, them to be the woman that God has created, that you have created them to be. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.